Oh, I, I have no notes on our first movie, but I have notes on our second film. I don't have any notes on either. Lots of notes. I probably should have, but I have mental notes. Well, that's okay. I just finished the first movie about an hour ago. So. I am looking forward to our discussion on that because I have no idea. Casablanca, I know. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah. I gave All it right, away so last episode. Another week back on the podcast and Chandler has COVID. I do. <laughs> I do. I got it from uh, the film Husbands by John Cassavetti. <laughs> oh, shit. I, I watched that too. Should I get tested? <laughs> probably. Probably. So yeah, I got that. I'm just chilling here, quarantined for two weeks. Got nothing else to do but watch movies. So I might even. Well, what are your plans? Huh? What are your plans? My plans? What are you uh, watch? I mean, I'm literally stuck in this room for like two weeks. If I leave, I put on a mask and gloves. I only leave to pee and get alcohol. <laughs> so well, that's gonna you're gonna get better real quick. Yeah. Well, you know, you, there's a there's a great quote from this show new girl that i really like that you use cleansing alcohol for the outside wounds and drinking alcohol for the inside wounds Ooh. so there Ooh. you go uh yes my my plan is to watch at least two movies a day because you know got nothing else to do finally gonna get the to all those movies that jacob has recommended me over the years some anime series some movies so far i've already watched like five in the two days i've been in this room have you logged them all on Letterboxd? No, I haven't, actually. I was waiting because I, I started to list uh, movies I watched while I had COVID or whatever. Mm-hmm. I saw and, that. Yes. And I the thing is, I'm going to be watching so many that I want to do full length reviews. But at the same time, doing full length reviews for every single movie I see is going to take so long. So I think I'm just going to go to like one paragraph little things. Little vibes are good. Yeah. Today I watched the movie Baccarat which we'll be discussing. Uh, yesterday I watched Safe uh, with Julianne Moore. What did you think of Safe? Because I, I recently watched that too. Safe is pretty good. I find it more interesting than I do entertaining. It does a really interesting visual style that very I'm not sure I'm here for. Yeah. It's not my kind of visual style. It's But that doesn't make it any any less good. It's just a personal <laughs> preference kind of thing. So the thing that ruined Safe for me just a little bit well, as I was watching it, and for people who don't know, it's a movie about Julianne Moore, who is a housewife in the late 80s in uh, California, who starts to become seriously ill for some unknown reason. The whole time I was watching it, I was thinking, oh, OK, this is this is her body rejecting her identity as a housewife. That's what I thought. You know, that was my mm. reading of the movie is that she's she's like a, practically a piece of furniture in this household. She has no real identity. That's not her real son. Her husband seems to not care for her. All she does is take care of the house to the point where she becomes a piece of furniture in herself. And I think you can see the way she reacts to certain things that she feels that and the illness starts to come in. Maybe that's her subconscious trying to get her out of the house. And I thought, oh, that's really interesting. That's I, I thought, OK, that's uh, I see what you're doing here. And then I watched the supplements. Where the director, Todd Haynes, talks to Julianne Moore. It's like a 40 minute conversation. I just watched that and they're talking about the movie and it's literally a movie about being allergic to your surroundings, about the whole chemicals and how there's a whole slew of new chemicals that go untested and that humans aren't. Well, ready. right, but that's just the surface level of the film. But the way that they're talking about it, they, they literally talk about this environmental allergy thing for like 30 minutes. I'm like, oh, is that really what this movie is about? Is it literally just about the environmental allergies? And that's what I I mean, obviously, there are other readings you can get into it, but the well, way it can that, be whatever you want it to be. about. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they went so in detail about that one aspect that I can't help but shake the feeling that that is the primary focus of the movie. Is it a environmental allergy uh, propaganda film? Yeah, well, yeah. And, you know. It's it's an interesting movie, not an entertaining one. It's a very clinical, very still, very distanced um, uh, visual style. I I I just I'm so sick of like culty stuff. I really am. Sure. It it was a difficult viewing experience for me because it kind of that movie and a few things that are happening in that film kind of touch on some of my anxiety triggers. And oh really? So. Yeah, not no. I'm not allergic to environmental surroundings in any way. <laughs> For some, some reason, the, 
Well, the, just the, like the the mention and the topics that they're dealing with. Okay. Kind of put me in a a mindset to think about some of the things that, uh, because my mind when I over I get anxiety, it's just like one thing that's tangentially related, just kind of spirals into like thinking into that mindset. Yeah. And so safe was that's why I put it off for a while. I've wanted to watch it for a while, but it wasn't a fun viewing experience. But I think it was overall a a good movie. Well, that's the thing is that it's not a fun movie at all. No. Um. But then I'm watching because you know th- they talk about some sort of uh, some of the aspects of environmental allergies. Then they show clips from the movie, and I see things like Julianne Moore gets a perm, and then she has the hairspray put in her hair, and that triggers a, a nosebleed. So then I'm like, oh, there must be a, a bunch of things that you can watch to see that her environment trigger these things in her. So you know, I want to watch it again. It was still a good movie, but it's not like I don't know. Um, yeah, there were some scenes in it. There was, I think, the first time she has a really bad reaction. She's driving in traffic, and then she has to pull over into a uh, parking garage. Yeah, yeah. That one, the way that it uses kind of sound and her acting and everything with claustrophobia, like yeah, like that just feel, that's how it feels. Yeah, to have a panic attack. It it is undeniably a good movie. It's just not one that I, you know. Yeah. I also watched, I probably won't rewatch it. I, I might at some anytime point. soon. Let me say that. Um, I watched Yakuza Law. <laughs> you know, I thought that was on Amazon Prime, but I was sorely disappointed. I was going to watch it. It's it's pretty fun. I, I you saw my Letterboxd review. It's the most decent movie of all time. It's nothing crazy. It's three different stories about three Yakuza and three different time periods, and they and. Th- they like go at the beginning of each story. They're like the one law of Yakuza is and like the first story is you don't steal and you don't affiliate with other people's women. And I'm like, okay. And then that story ends. And then the next story is like one Yakuza law. The only law of Yakuza is if you're banned and you come back, you will be killed. I'm like, <laughs> well, what happened to the other two? <laughs> and then the third one is really weird. Cause like another Yakuza law is like, don't give misleading information. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> but it was just, it was, you know, when insane. I think of after watching the battles without honor and humanity, mm-hmm. an entire five part series about based on actual Yakuza. Yeah. None of those seem like the rule. <laughs> they seem like they have plenty of rules, but none of those seem like the important I know. Ones. That's the thing is that I'm watching this and I'm like, okay, this is fun. It's gory. It's like super B movie esque. But this guy knows little to nothing about the Yakuza. But whatever. That one scene I sent you of the guy getting crushed in the car made me laugh. I do. I do love some schlocky uh, Yakuza content. Very schlocky. Uh, Whenever whenever I get the chance, I'm going to borrow that Blu-ray from you. It's 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 worth it. Uh, last one I'll discuss and I'll be brief because it, it ties into our first movie discussion is I watched, um, Brawl in Cell Block 99. Hmm. Have you heard of this one? I have heard of it. I do not know it, much of anything. About it, it is by S. Craig Zoller, the guy who did Bone Tomahawk. Okay. Uh, it's a movie he did with Vince Vaughn. It's a prison movie. It is, it's, it's a grindhouse movie. Like, straight up it looks very cheap but it doesn't look bad um the it it is imagine if death proof was good okay without the the sheer dedication to that 70s aesthetic it is it is a 70s grindhouse movie with vince vaughn being the most unvince vaughn i've ever seen him it's two hours and 20 minutes and it should be an hour and 50 but it's a good movie it's got uh, Don Johnson in it. The, Where do I know him from? Uh, he is the one of the slave owners from Django Unchained. He's also the racist uncle in Knives Out. He looks like Colonel Sanders. Oh, yes. Yes, Don yes. Johnson. Yeah. Yes. And, but uh, again, I'll, I'll wait until we get into the discussion because there's another really weird connection that's very coincidental. But yes. Hmm. Uh, I have one question for you because I don't know sure. what you've watched, but I do know you watched one thing. I saw that you finally watched Daddy Long Legs. I did, yeah. How'd you like Daddy Long Legs? So, this goes into what I wanted to bring up uh, and update you on is that at the end of every month, of course, things 
exit the Criterion channel. Mm -hmm. And every month I say, here's all the movies that I want to watch before the end of the month and space them out, Jacob. (laughs) Space them out. (laughs) And every month I get two days before the end of the month. I'm like, well, shit. I've got like 10 movies I want to watch. And so for the past three months, I've watched at least six movies in the last two days of the month. Oh, God. And I can't continue this. I can't. (laughs) Because like everything else about my life just kind of like it's shoved to the side. (laughs) And I just kind of like run home from work and just start watching movies. Criterion would be proud. One of the movies I watched was Daddy Long Legs. Yeah. Uh, The other I was going to watch. The Pleasure of Being Robbed, which is another Zach yeah. Brothers film. And I went on to Netflix, or not to Netflix, to Letterboxd and to look it up just to see, like, had Chandler, has Chandler watched this film or whatever? And I go on to Letterboxd and I say, oh, I've watched this movie. <laughs> and uh, do you, okay, so in The Fellowship of the Ring, there's the moment where Gandalf is trying to choose between the three paths and he yeah. looks around and is like, I have no memory of this place. <laughs> that's, that's exactly the first thing that came to my mind and exactly what I felt like. like you watched the whole movie? I watched, I huh. eventually I remembered how and where I watched it, but it was like for the first 10 minutes, it's like, I legitimately don't remember anything about this film. Maybe I just like, logged it just to say that I watched it. The pleasure of being robbed, right? Yeah. Yeah. That it, was was on, that- it was on movie. I had a movie uh, trial for a little bit, and that was one of the films I watched on it. And it's not a very memorable movie, obviously. That is, well, that's things that, you know, they had that one on there. I watched a bunch of their short films, and I saw that one, and I'm just like, this this doesn't look interesting. It it didn't, you know, whatever. If you're a completionist, which... Yeah, which I'm not. I like the Safety of the Brothers fine, but that movie, though... That is that movie is the reason that they got good time because Robert Pattinson, I guess, saw a still from that movie and was just enamored by the still and like demanded to speak to the Safety brothers and get him a movie. So I, I'll watch it at some point. It's got the guy from Good Time in it that I like, but if I don't care about junkies, junkie movies, let's just train spotting. I just don't care. So Daddy Long Legs is, uh, I was also thinking of, let's have a new segment on the show where we rename every film Portrait of a Blank. <laughs> and Daddy Long Legs is Portrait of a Irresponsible Father. <laughs> Probably the most irresponsible father that has ever been put onto screen. That is, that's undeniable. And I, I read your review on Letterboxd because I, I didn't like it as much as you did. I love it. And it's more so kind of a similar reaction I had to a lot of Safety Brothers films where it's just so anxiety. I, I knew I knew that was the that reason I had you'd to like it. Pause it and like stop for a few <laughs> minutes just to like breathe. Not not because I was overly anxious, but just You never know what's gonna diff- happen. This was different. This was yeah. different from uh Uncut Gems and Good Time. In that those are, all three kind of build their anxiety off of dumb decisions. Yes. And the difference with those two is those are people who are different from me making dumb decisions. They are, there's a, in in, uh, Uncut Gems, it's a diamond dealer. I don't, I don't care. Make dumb decisions, right? <laughs> but this is a father. This is a bit more personal, a bit more relatable yeah. than his other films. And it's a father making dumb decisions with the health of his children on the line. I know. Times. That's the thing is that the other two movies, like there is an anxiety because there's a clear and present danger. Both Howard Ratner and Connie are like, you can see the people who are after them. It's a constant chase. But with uh, this character in Daddy Longlegs, I'm I'm just waiting for the danger to come. Like the, one of the most anxiety-inducing parts of that whole movie is when he takes that road trip with those two people he doesn't know. And apparently, this was a lot of the things were were based on stuff their actual father. Did. Yeah, they, exactly. Because I watched that documentary about the Safties before I watched this, and they drop a lot of anecdotes about their father, and a lot of those anecdotes show up in the actual movie. 
And obviously, you know, they're two little brothers. So th- there is a, a, a literal connection, dude. But it just I don't know. I I think the reason I like this so much is I honestly I hope to God they bring that actor back for something. It was great. It was a great performance. It was an interesting character study. Of, it was. Of a character that hasn't really been shown on screen at all. Like, I don't think the irresponsible father has been done in any kind of serious film that I can think of. At least to that extent. Yeah. Because he is an irresponsible father turned up to 11. Uh, well, he's also the guy that helps him write all the movies. So he co-wrote but, Good oh, Time. And, that. It was pretty cool. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's a movie. I don't remember a lot about it. I just remember I really enjoy it. looks like a movie straight out of the 70s. It is amazing how they mm-hmm. can make a, a quaint little indie family drama so incredibly tense the entire way through. Uh, I love that character, that that actor. Great movie. Hope they bring him back for something. Anything yeah, else? It's good. Uh, that you watched, I mean. Anything of yes. note? Well, I may of note next week, but I'll make a, a little pin to come back to it. I went on a uh, a Boonwell binge. Okay. Uh, the last couple days of the month, because quite a few of his movies were leaving the Criterion channel. And I was like, oh, well, I liked Los Olvidados. So let's let's dive in. And I gotta say, I think Boonwell might be one of the most consistently entertaining art house director <laughs> where his films they're foreign art house movies mm-hmm. but they're just kind of normal they're just kind of fun they, there's not like a there's not a real pretentiousness about any of them yeah and they feel particularly modern because Bunuel was a, a very it was, he was a critic of a lot of the stuff going on during his time he was kind of an absurdist he was a an anti-catholic culture so a lot of his views on that definitely comes and out education in and stuff yeah feel very modern and so they don't feel all that old particularly one of the favorite the one i like the most was the obscure that obscure object of desire mm-hmm. which i think is his last film and it's essentially a battle of the sexes kind of film. Yeah. And it, it was just kind of fun. All of his films. And I'm, I'm eager to watch more of his filmography. I looked up, there's still quite a few of his movies still on uh, Criterion channel. So I'm going to be watching a few more. And even the ones I didn't like as much. They're uh, still good. I are still good. Yeah. I still found uh, they were never boring. Oh, the good. films are not boring, which is, that's a feat. the number one thing that I uh, yes. I can. Well, you know, uh, you know who else? Who just I might just get into. Maybe you can do the same. Uh, go along with me. Is that they add all the Mike Lee films on the Criterion? Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to mm-hmm. start that sometime soon as well. So I really like Naked. I don't think it's on the Criterion channel, but he did Topsy Turvy, didn't he? Did he? I thought so. I don't think I don't think all of his films are on the Criterion channel. Yeah, that is. So I don't think it was because I looked at what was Mike Lee uh, as I was going through Bunuel. I was like, hey, this I kind of feel like watching a bunch of directors just like going through their filmography as much as possible. Yeah. So I saw uh, Jean Renoir has quite a few movies on there. So I was like, oh, take a look at his. And I saw Mike Lee, obviously. And I noticed that Topsy Turvy wasn't on there. And that was the one I wanted to see because I've heard good things. Hmm. But I'd be down to watch some other Mike Lee films too. Of course, you know it, this is technically an English movies podcast. Technically, in the in the broadest possible definition. Yeah. Well, is there anything else before you want to get onto the main discussion? Da, da, da. <laughs> Trying to remember if I actually have anything. Hold on. I watched Being There. Oh yeah. Just want to say. I watched it again. It's a rewatch. Oh, I'm just looking at Letterboxd and I see that I didn't check. I have seen this film before. Oh, okay, that is actually I, I thought uh, you had only seen it for the first time. I was surprised. Okay. I have seen it before. It's been a while. And uh, one of those movies where I know that- I knew I would like it more 
if I watched it now. Is so. it on the BFI list? No, it is not. I always hear people say that it's it's Forrest Gump, but good. In a way, yeah. And obviously, I think I brought it up before when we were talking about Twin Peaks, that Dougie Jones is, I oh, think, yeah. a clear homage to being there and Peter Sellers. So... I'd be curious for you to watch it eventually, and maybe we'll uh, have a short little discussion. Well, you know, the the sale is coming up. I got a bunch I need, but uh, I can I can get some uh, blind buys as well. Yeah. Do you, so the sale, the Barnes and Noble summer sale, is on Friday. Is it really? Yeah, oh. the tenth. Oh God, I'm have to get somebody to go for me. <laughs> you could. Well, isn't it? It's for a whole month, isn't it? Usually, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see. I won't it usually starts day. at the very beginning of the month or a little bit before, so things are a little off this this year, as understand we're aware so. of. So it might not last; it might not be the whole month or something, or it might. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I know I'm looking forward to it. Might get the Berg, the big Berg box. Oh, he's gonna get the Berg box. Maybe. Well, you know, there's I, a I, lot. There's a lot of stuff that I want to get. So yeah, but you know, we have I a can't lifetime. get it all. We have a lifetime. Well, you know, those are the the sales are typically when you want to buy the more expensive stuff. So I'm thinking about something as well. I don't know if I'll go as far as the a Berg box set, but I was thinking maybe the um the Bruce Lee box set. But then I think, I think that too. then I think I I don't think I'm into Bruce Lee enough to watch all of the movies. I still haven't even touched the John Cassavetes stuff. It's it's a nice box set though. It, it is nice. a it is so. is a beautiful box set. I know I got at least marriage story portrait of lady on fire and come and see. I I think that a well-designed criterion will entice me to buy it even if I'm lukewarm on the film. Cuz half the half the half the joy of having the criterion is not watching the movie cuz often you can just watch it on the criterion channel. It's true. It's the supplements and it's the holding art. and looking at it the art the I recently got uh, the flavor of green tea over rice. There's an Ozu film, and it's one of like the mid-tier Ozu films. It's not, it's good, but the when I got it and I opened it up, I was like, ah, oh, I'm so happy I bought this. <laughs> it just looks it? so nice. Smell aside, it just was really <laughs> well designed. Now, here's my quick question before we get into the discussion. What it? What is the? I'm not gonna say the best smelling because they all smell the same. What is the the criterion you own that had the most uh, powerful scent? The one that you most remember? <laughs> Are we ever gonna see a list on Letterbox based on your criterion smell? Should I go through them all, smell them, give them a rating out of ten, and then uh, post my top ten best sellers? <laughs> I actually, whenever I got the Criterions in the mail, because uh, I got them from t- the Target sale yeah. and got them in the mail, they something about the packaging or the warehouse they were in or maybe the heat mm-hmm. that they didn't smell correctly. Oh, no. Did you send them back? But it actually wore off, and within a few hours, they they had calmed down enough to, to, well, to smell correctly like a Criterion I, should. I will tell you this. Because I bought a Criterion like a month ago from the site and they ship them to you in a tiny little box, little cardboard box. Uh, and I opened it and this is what was in it. And that box, as soon as I opened it, just the scent was just. Oh, I, and I, the only thing I could think is this smell is better than most of his films. I think the smell, it's different, but it reminds me of an old book. That's okay. And I that's can see why that. I, like it. I can see that. Like uh, one that's sort of yellowed over time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But new. Like an old new book. Like a vintage smell. Yeah. Like a recreation. Maybe maybe they had it. There are smell testers, designers. I highly doubt that. <laughs> but maybe it. we don't know. And we they don't know every criteria because even the older ones I've had for a while still, still. Carry. The only one that still smells really strongly of mine is my eraser head one. Well, I, I want to say that the last one, the thing that the one that I've smelled a few times, this is just a weird conversation. It really is, but we'll end it soon. But so it's fine. The I guess 
the best smelling one is solo (laughs) (laughs) to be fair that is an amazing criterion it is it is large it's the digipack but it's also i don't know it's a lot of content a lot of content all right shall we go into the first film then we shall So for our first film this week, we are talking about the Brazilian film Baccarat from 2019. This is a movie directed by... I'm not even sure I really want to try to pronounce that name. I think Portuguese Oh, hold on, let me try. Kleber... Kleber Menon- Mondica- Menonca. I don't know. Yeah, you're right, though. Filho. It's a dual director, it looks like. Juliano Dornones. I didn't realize how. I don't know. Portuguese is this weird. So Portuguese it is, is Portuguese a weird language. Then. Yeah. Okay. It's like, have you ever heard there are songs that are supposed to be English, but as English sounds to other non-English speakers? Yes. Yes. And one one of them's in the season three of Fargo, but is that's it beside really? the point? Yes. Beside the point, there yeah. are there are songs that emulate what it's like to hear English from a non-English speaker's perspective. Portuguese is like hearing Spanish and French, but not like you're having a stroke. <laughs> like it's well, somewhere in between. Is it that you know uh, when I was watching this, I didn't know what the language was because I knew it was South America, but I didn't think they spoke Portuguese in parts of Brazil. Uh, that's all they speak there is it really yeah i did not know this okay brazil's the biggest uh portuguese country speaking country in the world i had no idea interesting but yeah I, I know a good amount of spanish so i was confused because i just but every once in a while you'll pick out a word like, the, yeah like uh you know i'll get like alto aurora and i'm just like uh maybe i don't know yeah, God. The film is a co-production between Brazil and France. Look at that. Well, there you go. Just like the it languages. Is, uh, it was apparently a box office sensation in Brazil, so claims the trailer. But <laughs> it, it also said seen by over one million people in Brazil. And I'm like, well, there's like thirty. There's like hundred million people in Brazil. Are you sure that's something you want to be touting? Could, you could just. They could have just put it on the side of a truck. <laughs> just drove around Rio or something. People have seen frames of this film. That much I can guarantee. Anyway, Over a million was, people. It was entered into uh, Cannes, 2019 con, for It was in competition for the Palme d'Or, which it lost to Parasite, as we all know. That's fair. It, it however, won the jury prize at oh, interesting. Con. And I, I've always been curious is like, what is the difference? Like, what, what's the point of having a jury? Like, I thought the jury voted on the Palme d'Or oh, too. Yeah, I don't know. So that was a bit of a... That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. As far as I can tell is it's like a, a way of, of Khan recognizing lesser, smaller films mm-hmm. that they think are really good and want to kind of boost up. Kind of like a publicity award, yeah, in yeah. a way, and well, because you know the water cooler conversations often revolve around what won the jury prize at Con. Yeah, <laughs> water cooler conversations at, at indie distribution uh, companies. How familiar are you with Brazilian cinema? I have seen City of God. That is Brazilian. That is the. But only they speak other Spanish Brazilian in that, film. don't they? Okay. Interesting. Uh, I feel like this is a movie that we're not going to be able to discuss without spoiling it. That's interesting because everyone says that, and I think we can discuss it a little bit at the very Okay. All right. I will say this. I don't know if this is a spoiler. I don't think it is. I want to bring it back to my, I'm going to call it the the Cell Block 99 connection. Okay. Because there, I watched this last night. And then I woke up and I watched... No, I watched uh, Cell Block 99 last night. And I woke up and watched Baccarat this morning. So this Cell Block 99 uh, is, like I said, is a very, very like Tarantino-esque grindhouse movie with its own real sense of 
slow burn and really, really brutal, but realistic looking violence. For the most mm-hmm. part, they also have like dummy heads that look horrible, but it's kind of the charm of it. But there is uh, a part in the movie where they have this gang leader is like telling Vince Vaughn to murder somebody in the prison that he's in or else he'll murder Vince Vaughn's wife, whatever. Uh, but they have a really strange man that delivers messages to Vince Vaughn in the prison from the gang leader. And it was a very steely eyed old German man. And I just thought, wow, this is a very interesting actor. I can't really tell where he's from. And then, of course, this is, you know, a very grindhousey type of movie. And then, lo and behold, the next movie I watch is another grindhousey kind of movie. And I see this man pop up again. I thought, this can't be the same guy. And it was. It is the guy who plays Michael. His name is Udo Kier. Yes. Who's a very interesting actor. He is. Um, He's in the original Suspiria. Yes. Yes, he is. I I also had to uh, look that up. But yeah, I just thought it was interesting. I watched two movies. I didn't have any, this is both movies were kind of on a whim and they both have very hardcore seventies cheesy B movie influence. They both have this guy. So interesting connection. Uh, But yeah. So Bacurau is about a little small Brazilian village in the middle of nowhere. And the matriarch, this old woman from the village dies and kind of, a few of her family members visit the village and then there are strange things happening around the village and the the film is kind of begins as a get to know the place kind of film kind of yeah where you're just there with the village and there's this background mystery of what what is happening it's odd from the beginning yeah and you can't really tell where it's going to go but you know it's not going to stay there gets to that place and it's interesting that I think there are quite a few films from last year. As I, I'm gonna, I've dubbed it before. 2019 is the year that keeps on giving. And yeah. This is this is yet another giving film of 2019. This was a a joy to watch. And another similarity is that it is a film that is in two halves, almost exactly like Parasite. Kind of, yeah. Kind of. There's a, there's a pretty like in Parasite in this there are pretty like you can pinpoint the, the spot where the film well, Parasite, changes direction. Parasite works because there's a lot of duality to just the ideas and themes of Parasite. And the well, I'm not twist, talking about whether it works or not. I'm just oh, saying. I know, I know. I'm just saying the twist comes how like halfway through a Parasite, where structurally this sort of twist it it takes a very long time, like 50 minutes into the movie, and it's I, an hour. I, it's yeah, a full hour. yeah. Uh, ish around there but yeah no i agree it, it is two different movies essentially well it's not well, different no. films it just it changes it re it yeah the the because, plot is put into a different context in the yes second half yeah i agree but no it it does yeah i see i don't know what we can discuss without spoiling it okay well just general your thoughts and opinions because i still have no idea what you think about. oh this i liked it i liked it a lot <laughs> a little a little long a little slow but i really enjoy the the i don't want to say ambiguity because that's kind of a word that scares people um but it is not very direct with this expositional stuff and i kind of really enjoy that there's very little exposition yes and you can infer pretty much everything uh i i love movies with that have um real people in them not Mm. super gorgeous people just kind of people that you would believe are in this world and you very much would believe it from all sides. Very interesting actors they got for this movie. Very interesting. Including there's some, let's call it blunt nudity in this film. Well, (laughs) where like the scene is just going on and then it cuts very just normally to a shot and there's a naked person that cuts away and it's not made any deal. They're just in the background. They're doing their thing. People are just naked. People, people just walk around naked in background. Backwater Brazil. Backwater Brazil, it's fine. But, you know, it's not like these people, you can tell that this town is a little, it's not impoverished all the way. It's not like a third world country. It's Hmm. a it's a it's a town that's a little behind the times, you could say. But it feels more like small town America than it does something like soy Cuba's horribly backwater towns the film takes place it says 
in the near future, in a few years from now. Oh, no, and, I didn't remember that. Yeah, it, it blink and you miss it kind of thing. And there are certain elements of the film where like, oh, that's kind of futuristic. And, but there's also the village for being out in the middle of nowhere has a surprising amount of technology. Yeah, or they have like and it, TVs in their cars. Yeah, on the side of the car, they had like a no, smart board like the inside in the classroom. The they yeah. had an iPad. Yeah, yeah. They have phones. Yeah, yeah. And it it felt I've never seen or really considered like what does a small town in a not as developed country with iPhones look like? And that was kind of interesting to just kind of this very backwater small place. Mm-hmm. And yet they're very connected at the same time. Um, it was an interesting location. I almost want to say it felt constructed. Like a lot the of people did. that lived there, it didn't feel like a natural place, but it felt, um, well, it, it, that didn't matter. If that yeah. makes sense. Like it, it felt like all of these people don't necessarily belong in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But then again, one, I'm not really too knowledgeable on the, uh, development of Brazil outside of the big cities and you know with that being said it it felt like a place created for this film but it didn't matter because it did it felt real within the context of the film yeah there there are definitely some parts that you know you could tell okay this is something this is a movie thing not a real thing like the greenhouse and the school bus i thought was odd nice but odd but you know it doesn't like you said it doesn't matter because it's all uniform in its presentation we understand (laughs) where this this little town sits compared to the rest of the world um they are like they have a mayor that doesn't even live in the town <laughs> and he comes and he delivers them stuff and they hate him dumps books on him <laughs> he literally dumps books <laughs> yeah but it so the second half of the film i thought was just it was thrilling it was great i was finally on board with the film it took a while to get there and the first half i was just it felt messy and kind of all not all over the place, but I was struggling to really catch up to figure out who is everyone, what's happening. And part of that is I knew like the film is described as a weird Western. Yeah. And so I was thinking, oh, it's going to get violent at some point. When and how is that going to happen? So I was always like trying to figure that out. And the way it sets up what's happening later isn't as maybe smooth as something Parasite might have done. Where where the twist happens and I think back and I'm like, oh, that wasn't really like set up perfectly. It is there. And I did watch, I did rewind after I finished and watched a little bit later on. It's like, oh, this film feels like something that'd be much more engaging a second time. Okay. Where you're looking for that kind of stuff. Well, that's the thing is that, you know, with, with something like this, where you know, they're slowly easing you into this premise or this twist, you would think that the first part would be setting up a lot more things that, you know, because from the beginning, it, there is an uneasiness to the whole movie. You can, I went into this completely blind. I knew nothing but the title of the movie when I went into this. That's probably the way to do it. So for the first 20 minutes of the movie, I thought, okay, is this going to be like some sort of weird or is this going to be like some sort of like internal conflict type struggling to come back home kind of movie? Because it spends a lot of time introducing these characters and this town that really a lot of these uh, uh, these little introductions don't really come full circle by the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when you find when it finally starts to pick up, which it takes a bit, it literally takes like fifty minutes for me to think, oh, this is where we're going. This is now I'm on board. I could definitely see somebody getting lost in like the first thirty or forty minutes of this movie. Yeah. Not to say that it's bad. I I really like the way this movie is shot. It's very dry. <laughs> Remind me a lot of Paris, Texas. The movie sure. needs a drink of water. I I will. I'm gonna rephrase what I said just because listening to you. And it's, it took me a while to understand what the archetypal narrative was. Yeah. If when you're watching a movie, we ground ourselves in the narrative, we try to figure out like, what kind of film is this? What kind of story is it telling? Who is our protagonist? And what kind of journey are they going on? 
So you begin to form expectations based off that. In Naked, oh, it's a slow film about one central kind of anti-hero protagonist, who's not really an anti-hero, but a not good person protagonist. And you kind of get on board with that very quickly and you understand what the film is doing. Mm-hmm. It didn't, the the archetype, the, the narrative of Baccarat doesn't really take full form until it gets to that, that midway twist. And then it becomes very clear that it is a, a, a violent meditation on some very interesting social-political ideas that I'm not sure it ever really explores to their no, I, full I, extent. Yeah, And I found the film to be, at least the second half, to be more entertaining than I did thought-provoking. And when I got to the end, I thought that the, it had a lot of interesting ideas in there that I could think about, but think about in ways that weren't necessarily built upon by the film. Or at least I, I didn't know where it was trying to get me to feel specifically. Yeah. yeah. Might as well let's let's go into spoilers. Baccarat yeah. one Baccarat is pretty uh pretty good. It is worth it's a good. watch, I think. It's definitely good. It's a unique film. Uh, There's a lot of English in it. For, there is, and that was another weird thing that I didn't expect an hour into it that it is gonna be English. Uh but yeah, so let's just get straight into it. The twist of this movie is that the small town of Baccarat is being hunted. Yeah, uh, they have there's a there's a bunch of people from America who come to this part of Brazil to hunt the people of Baccarat. This is the part where I'm confused because who are they hunting? The people. But they're not hunting all the people because you have the one guy who doesn't kill women and then you have the one guy who kills a child. And they're just trying to hunt the people and some of them have their own personal hangups. That is irrelevant to. But I thought there was some is. sort of illusion that like when they confront the guy about killing the kid uh one of the guys says he was not a criminal that's not what i signed up for so part of me thought okay are they hunting the criminals of baccarat i don't i still don't completely understand who they were aiming to kill yeah i agree it's not clear and there's there's a tv show apparently did you did you get that no 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 no, oh yeah yes yes in the film where they're watching people get shot in this tv show I thought, I thought that like the people, the the white people that were there to kill the villagers, were part of that TV show. Yeah, but I also thought that one of the villagers early on, you know, they talk about, oh, I saw you in that video, or whatever, you know, what I'm talking about. Yeah, they're at the dinner. Yeah. T- yeah, was he on the show? It's not clear. It's really There's... not. But- I'm surprised at how much is not clear in this film that it but some is of it still feels, pretty good. I don't know. Some of it feels like, okay, you can read between the lines, but some of it, I'm just like, what are you talking about? I still don't completely understand why the doctor hated the woman who died. Yeah, on a, on a rewatch, on my quote-unquote rewatch, it wasn't clear then either that it felt that there was something to her character. Like, she has this line where she says, when I die, will there be this many people at my funeral? Yeah. And I thought, is that, like, does she have, does she feel lonely? Does she have, like, hangups about people liking her or something? And it doesn't really go anywhere. And that was, like, one of the things where, like, there's a lot of stuff that isn't followed through completely or doesn't go anywhere. A or, lot of stuff. Or stuff that happens later on in the film that I felt like, oh, you could have tied this up a little, little neater. In particular, there's there's this part about the village museum, about how at the very end, it's revealed that they have this heritage of hunting, of putting down this, there's this article like, Villa Baccarat puts down violent rebellion, and they have all these guns, and that's where they get their guns. And I was like, show this to me in the background of a shot early in the movie. Yeah. You know, they mentioned the, uh, when the two bikers come into the town, like, do you want to see our village museum? You should have shown something with that earlier on, just to in the background, like in Parasite, where it's an offhanded remark that uh, Mr. Park says, the only thing that's wrong with her is she eats enough for two people. Yeah. And it's just a little line that is so throwaway 
but then when you rewatch, you understand later. Yeah. And I don't. No, it there's doesn't. A, there's a few things clear. like that where like the mystery of Bakurao isn't much of a mystery because there's not many clues to actually piece it together. If any. Yeah, there there's some things like, you know, the 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 teacher realizing that Bakura is not on the map. That part is like, OK, they're erasing it from existence so no one comes around here. But then there are things like, OK, so the water tanker got shot. What were they trying? Were they trying to get rid of the water? Did they miss trying to shoot the driver? I still have no idea what that even meant. There was a line somewhere that they were trying to make them panic. And but no one panicked. <laughs> it it would seem to me that the plan was to get them to come out of the village because that's where they kill most of the people in the beginning before yeah. they actually invade the village. And that the plan wasn't to necessarily full-on invade and shoot everyone up, but to like pick them off as they started to panic and try to leave the village. Yeah. And... It, that's that's the only reason I can see for the water because the byproduct of that is that you shoot up their water source, which means they might just leave. And do you want them to leave? I don't think you do, because then who are you going to shoot? Yeah. But I don't and know. I'm also not clear. So at the end, the end fight, they seem to take out the shooters pretty easily, but then there's also like a huge pile of bodies that look like fatalities. They like bury a bunch of people. Who are those? They bury people? a few I people didn't... who were who were killed before. But how? Where? Who? Who were these people? Well, there was the two people in the car that tried to leave the village. Yes. There's the little boy. There was the family in the the house that was away from the village. And the two people that went to uh, investigate. Yeah, like, that seemed like two... so many. At the end, it's when eight. you see, I could count. in the end, when you see all those coffins leading up to the heads, it looked like twenty to thirty coffins. Yeah, there might have been more. And then, but then, when you see the bodies, you know, there's that shot of the the woman who looks at the bodies, shot reverse shot. They all look piled up, like it's a war. Like come and see or something. And I'm like, would you be doing that to the people that you like? Yeah, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot that I love, but a lot that just confuses me about this movie. And some of it, I can't I can't tell where the line between intentionally ambiguous and unintentionally underwritten is. Hmm. Um, but I liked it. I still liked it once it went through that whole manhunt angle. I thought it was interesting. I think that a lot of the scenes are just way too long. Hmm. I think I was never bored by it. I, I know I was never bored in the beginning. I was never bored either, but you have the scene where they're all, all of those uh, shooters are at the table conversing about something for like 10 minutes. And yeah, it's a pretty long movie and there are times where it does feel long, but uh, once it starts picking up, it's, it's very entertaining. Yeah. Despite some of the narrative uh, ambiguities, the final 30 minutes I thought was masterful in terms of shootout sequences because it just builds tension because one you're on board with the citizens of Baccarat you don't want them to get shot you hate these guys you don't know where they are you don't know where the entire town of Baccarat has gone yeah and then you have these guys who are just stalking the town and there's it's it's what I'm going to call a silent fight and it's Trigger the, some of my favorite finales are like this, where there's not all that much action that goes on. And what action does happen goes by pretty quickly. But it's about the build up to that and the tension leading up to it. And I thought that that was done really well as, as far as watching these American or white people hunters going through the town. And Michael, played by Udo Kier, is an interesting kind of character kind of guy he's one of those another one of those things where the film needed more focus yeah and then i felt like i could have used a little bit more from him because he has this really interesting i'm gonna call it interesting i'm not sure i really liked it but the speech uh in the about one of the other guys calls him a nazi yeah yeah 
And I think it was just to set him up as this kind of build who is threatening character, but I didn't He's get a very much intense out of that speech. man. Yeah. Yeah. And I would have liked a little bit more because at the there's this interaction between him and the doctor woman. And I was like, ah, I need a little bit more, I need to know a little bit more about him first. I don't know. There's just a little lacking there. But with all that aside, I think what really does Baccarat a lot of favors is that it's just it has something it wants to do. Yes. And it accomplishes the core of that pretty well. There's a lot of miscellaneous going on that it could have cleaned up. It's entertaining, too. But the roots of everything is there, and it's really and it's really great. I really like the cinematography, too. There's a few shots I think were pretty great. I like the, the shot, the cameras in the back of the truck as the books are about to be delivered. Mm-hmm. or dumped on the ground i don't know why i like that shot so much it's very it's the ending is very much shot like a western um the sequence my favorite sequence in the whole movie i think is the sequence where the two people uh to the shooters try to sneak up on the two naked people <laughs> that's another one of those naked. things just going about very their business. much naked but i mean it's their house uh the yeah there's that you know, there's that moment where he's watering the uh, the things in his greenhouse and you see him like hesitate for a second. So at that point, I'm thinking, oh, does he see them? Oh, are they there? What's going on? But then they cut back to the other two people who are coming up in the house. And there's just enough time to where you kind of forget that he had that little moment. So when the guy, you know, he sets the thing on fire and he goes to shoot. It did catch me by surprise when he got his head blown off. <laughs> and it got blown up. It's a gory film. Very... <laughs> There's a little. There's only very small moments of gore, but when it is, it's well. That's that's the other thing. Is that so much of this? It's so similar to cell uh, brawl in cell block ninety nine or whatever, because that is another movie that is slow. It's it's very much taking its time to get where it needs to go. It may take a little bit too much time. It has that same guy, and it has very brief moments of gore that are just horrifying to watch um yeah this this whole movie just feels like it feels i don't know part of it it almost feels like a john carpenter movie parts of it yeah Yeah. um it's very much like a 70s kind of throwback but it doesn't Mm -hmm. revel in that 70s-ness except for those few moments of gore takes a few hints few cues from 70s films but but there's also some really yeah there's also some really interesting like i find these shooters interesting i don't find them sympathetic but i find the idea that okay i would totally believe that there's a bunch of gun nuts in america who would go hunt brazilians thinking they're doing the right thing i especially hated that guy that one guy who kills the kid hated him oh i hated him so much so here's here's the funny thing so baccarat is obviously it's kind of i don't want to say race necessarily uh, but it is it is a film about the racism colonialism about uh, the the empiricism of of american culture on smaller countries in a way yep it is and it's not the focus but there are elements of it there it it has a it's like undercurrents of of political allegory too because you have the mayor and he's essentially sold them out to what it, what Should we can assume is like an outside corporate interest of some kind so before all of this happened with George Floyd, yeah, uh, and this is a similar thing where I've been meaning to rewatch Do the Right Thing, where the types of racism that I've encountered in my life have been very subtle, mm-hmm. very subtle. And I've always thought that, oh, like, if you go south, maybe there are like actual like out loud racists but they're not everywhere like it's mostly just a systemic thing that no one talks about like it's it's not anything in your face but then with all this happening and all the protests and then the other day in the news there were these two white people who were pointing guns at protesters oh yeah and suddenly the reality of baccarat and all these people here to shoot people suddenly doesn't seem as far-fetched as i thought it would have no i i definitely didn't think it was far-fetched at all i mean the execution is definitely stylized but and you know there's some people that are outright uh almost cartoonishly evil yes there is an element of that still yes but i do think that this 
con- this concept I don't think is all that far from reality. No. No. Uh, no. <laughs> Sad. It's it is. But they, but that's what makes it so satisfying when they get decimated. I you know, this is a, a weirdly morbid thing, but I do love a very creative death. Um and I do like the way You're that they send Michael that. off. I think that's pretty fun. Yeah. He Buried did the last thing he said is he shouts, This is only the beginning. Background two. Like, <laughs> background two, electric. Back Google. in action. <laughs> Back, Back for two. round two. Oh no! <laughs> but Back for round two. Michael strikes back. <laughs> but so he sh- so two things. One is Michael shouts at the end. This is only the beginning. Yeah, and I felt like the film wanted me to get something from that. I don't think it did. There's but a lot of things where. I feel like the film wanted you to get something from it and it just doesn't. Well, I was thinking, is this a stretch to think like there will always be more white people trying to take advantage uh, of, of maybe. smaller countries of situations like this? Maybe. What do you think happened to the mayor? They put him on a donkey and a demon mask. What what <laughs> what is going on? I like to think he's he's still wandering the <laughs> the wilds of Brazil on that I donkey. Like, I like Maybe that that's Baccarat like... too. It's the, the <laughs> oh. mayor's. It's like an Odyssey where he like he changes as a man and comes back. <laughs> I like that they were sympathetic to the donkey. <laughs> They're like, we're sorry. <laughs> Someone has to do it. No, so the second thing is, is there's this kind of psychedelic undercurrent to the film where they all taking. They all take drugs. drugs. Why? <laughs> and it's there's a couple shots in the. The funeral sequence in the beginning. Yeah. Where she sees the water coming out of the grave and all that. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Then there's a few shots scattered throughout the film. And I'm like, I want you to lean into the fact that they're all taking psychedelics this whole time. Like, what is... I felt like there was more to be explored there. There was fun visuals. And there wasn't a lot. It was another one of those elements that I felt like it, it was just kind of there. And it didn't necessarily detract, yeah. but it didn't add anything. Here, here's one that I have. Why did the drone look like a UFO? <laughs> What's the point of that? It's kind of, it, it felt a purposeful uh, misdirection in the beginning. Because I really loved the opening uh, shot of this film. And where it's, the credits are over the stars. And then it the title, and then it slowly pans down to Earth. Mm-hmm. and you think it's going to be like an alien thing because then a little while later you see a flying saucer yeah which turns out to be a drone but i think like it's a misdirection to make you think like oh is it aliens but in the context of the story it's so dumb <laughs> no yes i like i don't know it doesn't make sense but i did like that was one moment of really subtle payoff where later on the uh, americans say we have satellites in orbit that are hindering their communications or something yeah. like that. And they're like, oh, we saw a satellite in the beginning. There's a connection. And that was one of the few times that I felt like, oh, visually, I can, uh, there was some setup here that I, mm-hmm. I believe. Part of me thinks that um, I think a huge part of uh, uh, this movie is that the, the shooters underestimate the townspeople. So maybe I thought, okay, maybe you dressed it up as a flying saucer because then you'll think that the townspeople will think they saw a flying saucer. Well, it's also maybe. like if the townspeople go run and tell someone, they just seem like crazy people. Oh, we saw a flying saucer and people died. I just love how how painfully obvious is that that was added in post. <laughs> it was It was a cheesy special effect, which I don't think they were... Another thing they were leaning maybe into a 70s kind of aesthetic. Well, especially when the guy gets his head blown off. It just looks like a ceramic head with blood in it, which is fun. Which is another thing they have a lot of in Brawl and Cell Block 99. But yeah. The music was good. Too. It was. There's a few was. A few Brazilian songs in the opening credits. Some American song. songs, nice. too. And yeah, some American songs. Overall, it's a really unique film and one that I'm really it's glad It's very I unique. 
Yes, it is not perfect by any means. It's incredibly messy, but it is earnest and it is fun. Yeah. I do love me a good man. This is like, this would be a good pairing with that movie that just came out of The Hunt. It's like an art house grindhouse film. It is. It's both. It's fun. You know, the first 30 or 40 minutes, you might have your head shaking, but just wait. Just wait till the racists show up. Uh, okay, so All do you right. want to go on to well, the next one? Let's back around, yes. We'll take a quick break and then we'll talk about the next one.